All right, guys, fan favorites, and one of my favorites, Dirk Durham. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, coming at you from the Broken Tine studio right here in Clark Fork, Idaho. I got a real special bonus episode, one of the, uh, probably one of the most returned guests, one of the favorite guests, and one of my favorite guys to get on the show. In fact, Dirk, you, you got to be one of my favorite people, man. I appreciate you always coming on. Oh, hey there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, pre- I appreciate you having me on. I like um, I, I love talking to you. I mean, sometimes you just call up and we just shoot the shit, and I love that too. So it's like it's great to to bounce ideas and thoughts off off like minded people. So yeah, for sure, yeah, for sure. You're just uh, you're you're like a natural conversationalist, and I like your uh, your signature uh, coming on to the show every time is "Oh hey there," and uh, <laughs> everybody needs a tagline like that. They do. They do. Tom Cruise. But has- that one- that was mine. That no. was yours. That was yours. It, it, you got a you got a patent on it, I'm sure. I do. Hey, I heard I heard you uh, are going to a Reba McIntyre con- uh, concert. Man, news travels fast. Yeah, I Dang, saw it. What I the saw heck? It. It's Facebook, man. I thought I would like try. I'd fly under the radar on that one, you know, because I talk a lot of shit about country music. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> sounds like we're going to Reba. <laughs> can you can you sing one of the verses to? If whoever's in Boston, when they're through with you, kick us off. Um, with that. Oh, I was kind of hoping you'd ask me to sing "Fancy." Oh, yeah, yeah. The fancy, <laughs> Fancy's next on the list. Here's <laughs> your one chance, Fancy. Don't let me down. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even know that that lady still toured around and did concerts, man. I I know, and I I seen a picture. Jessica's like, oh look, I hear Reba. She was with somebody else. I'm like, that can't be a current picture i mean she looked great i'm like she's got to be like 100 years old i know she never ages there's a few people like especially in country music her and and dolly dolly parton never ages either i know she's, i know i mean yeah she, she i think she invests a lot into that <laughs> oh i'm sure when you when you own dollywood you can afford it man yeah yeah you, you can afford that nip and tuck here and there <laughs> <laughs> tell me about your elk season dude Man, it was a, a crazy, crazy elk season. Let me tell you what. Um, so I started off the season with a hunt with a really good friend of mine, Mark Cochran from uh, Mountain Ambush. He's actually my old boss from Night Force up there in Orfino, Idaho, back when I used to work there. And um, he drew a special tag in Idaho. I'm not going to say the unit because I, I want to draw the tag next year. <laughs> but but said this unit, um, you know, you talk to people and they're like, Oh yeah, that's a great unit. Oh yeah. There's a lot of elk there. And, um, 
we hunted September 1st through the 4th. I just went along to call and try to do a little video camera work for him. And um, <laughs> it was it was beyond our, both of our wildest dreams. I mean, I, I've never been anywhere on planet Earth like that. Really? It was crazy the amount of mature bulls. And when I say mature, I'm like every basin we glassed into had a 350-inch or bigger bull in it. Um, and then there were, we saw some 380, 390 class type stuff and a ton of just, you know, decent six points, you know, 300 inch bulls. Um, now we didn't see hundreds of elk though. It wasn't like there was cows everywhere and stuff. Um, we were there that first from the September 1st to the 4th and they hadn't really herded up yet. So we didn't really see much for cows. But, man, there were um, these pockets of bulls living in these north-face timber pockets. Mm -hmm. Real open country, but they were living in these north-face timber pockets. And, man, just about every one of them timber pockets had some damn nice bulls in it. So, huh. um, And were, they were super receptive to calls. That's what I was going to ask. Were they, were they talking? Oh, yeah. They, 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 were, they were very talkative. Um, it wasn't like September 20th type rut fest or nothing but the bulls would answer and then they would come they would just come in they're just like i don't know if they're like hey who's that mofo over there running his mouth i'm gonna go check him out <laughs> um the biggest bull we called in i swear to god it came from like three quarters of a mile away and when he got to 700 yards he started running and he and he, and he crossed this huge drainage and just ran the whole way up and he got to about a hundred yards from me and Mark was kind of angled to where if he, the thing came down wind, he'd, he'd smack him because mm -hmm. it was super open country. He kind of stood there and beagled for a minute and looked around and, and he just kind of wandered off. I'm like, oh, what the heck? Where's he going? And man, I, he came all that way to do that. But then he walked over and he kind of disappeared. And what I realized is there was a huge wallow. And I think he's just like, man, I'm hot. I ran all this way. I'm going to go cool off. So he went and laid in that wallow and laid there and wallowed and rolled. And he looked like a pig, you know. And he oh, wow. he covered, he covered his, himself from his eyeballs to his a-hole um, in mud. He was just – I lost sight of him. I'm like, man, where did he go? Did he leave? And then finally, you know, I had my vine nose and I get to focus and look and <laughs> – he was literally laying, just laying there, head in the head down, laying there like he was dead. Huh. And then he, and then every now and then he'd give a gurgly bugle, like, <laughs> like he had mud in his throat. It was, a, <laughs> it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. And he laid there. He did this for like 30 minutes. And a lot of it, he just laid there motionless. Like once he got completely covered, he just laid there, like dead, just like dead tired. And he laid there. And after about 30 minutes, he got up. And another funny part of this story is there were two mule deer bucks standing there watching him, like right at the edge of the wallow. They're like, we want to come over and get a drink, but dude, you're in the way. So they Crazy, just, man. yeah, <laughs> they just stood there and watched him until he got up. And then they went over and got a little drink out where the water was still moving. But then he walked right over to us, walked right downwind right to where uh, Mark was set up and he had about a 30 yard shot and there was, um, man, hold on. There's a, somebody's, somebody's breaking into your car. I, I thought that was mine. I was like, God, and I, 
did I push a button or something on accident? No, sorry. Anyway, he walks in to like 30 yard broadside and uh, there was some really tall grass and covering his vitals. And Mark just, he just like, you know, I, I'm not a risky shot taker. He just, I, mm-hmm. I don't feel good about it. He's like, so he didn't take the shot. He had him dead to rights. Should have shot <laughs> in my opinion. But, um, you know, he didn't feel good about it. And, you know, that was his, his judgment to make. And he sure. didn't shoot. This bull was like a 380 bull. This thing was 380 all day long. Are you serious, just, man? Yeah, just a, just a freaking giant. That was the biggest bull we called in. Um, after he ran off, then he was just like, oh, man, I might have should have shot. <laughs> but, you know, I've said before, you know, taking, taking risky shots – it's almost like you're better off to say, man, what would have happened if I had took, taken that shot and killed him um, rather than taking something, maybe a bad shot and then getting and have to live with that monkey on your back. The rest of the year, like, man, I really wish I wouldn't have shot. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, that was stupid. So, yeah. um, so kudos to him for doing the right thing in, in his own mind. And um, anyway, he, <laughs> we called in a whole bunch of big bulls and he didn't shoot. And then he had a little time later on to hunt. Later in the month, we went back and cow the cows the cows were around at that point, and bulls were on the cows, and they bugled like their heads off, but they didn't really bugle to him, um, so they didn't have a lot of luck having come to the calls. But they did call in a nice bull. He shot like a three thirty, you know, he shot like a three thirty class. Oh, bull. is, is that and, it? Uh, That's just, it. You know, just a tiny little thing, but he shot this beautiful heavy horn bull. At, 3.30, Any, anybody in the right mind would have been happy with it. I would have been stoked, and he was. He was really stoked. He's like, man, I got to have all that fun, and then I got a nice bowl to boot. So yeah. he was Heck pumped. yeah, man. That's awesome. So, I, I mean, I'd be tickled with a – I'd be tickled with a 280 right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Raggy 4 sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, I'll shoot a spike, man. I almost did, but he turned around <laughs> right before I could get a shot off at him, so – uh, yeah yeah so i had my girls with me so it was pretty exciting but he yeah he turned around last minute but 330 thir- man come on what what kind of yeah. loser shoots a little 330 right right so man that kicked off september and i'm like man i don't know i don't think i'm i mean that did something to me i mean i i'm like i don't think i'm ever going to be the same um <laughs> until i get to go back there Again, I'm not be able to enjoy the taste of food or the 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 freshness of air until I get to go back there with a with a tag of my own. Now, that was a really cool place. Um, but then um, the next week, Mark, I was fortunate enough to have Mark join me. He went along uh, with me to Utah, and I got to hunt a really cool place there. Um, it was a weird hunt, kind of different than definitely different than what I'm used to. It was a guided hunt on uh this giant tract of private property um mm-hmm. and our guide super great guy a little bit it, the way he called elk was definitely different than what we do typically did you, but did you offer him some tips um no because i don't want to be rude but yeah. i did i did give him a whole bunch of calls before we left but you know, for what for where they're at and how they do it, I mean, I mean, he can call in elk. I mean, he's he was like uh, Doug Flutie's uncle, uncle, uncle Rick, uh, Rick Flutie. <laughs> <laughs> old Rick Flutie. Uh, he liked he liked uh, he had like a necklace completely full of of open reed cow calls. He had a little 
tiny little squealy bugle that was about 12 inches long and um, about the smallest bugle you can find. And he'd, he'd blow on that little flute every now and then. And he'd, he'd get to making these crazy ass cow calls, like the most weird cow calls that you've heard people make. Like, like those super, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. these quivery, weird. <laughs> he'd do weird <laughs> stuff like on purpose. I'm like, I'm like, so, hey, tell me about that weird quivery call. He's like, oh, man. He's like the old the old guide here, the one that's been here forever. He he taught me that. He's like, yeah, sometimes that'll just you get a bowl and it looks like he's you know you start watching body language and it looks like he's gonna bust. He's like, I'll do that weird quivery call, and he's like, it'll kind of hold him a little bit longer. Like they're like, what is that? So I'm hmm, like, okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. So I went ahead and put that one in my little quiver of of how to call elk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Rick was a great guy. He knew that that place like the back of his hand and it was crazy so every guide has their own little spot little territory that way they don't interlope and like like oh there's bulls over there well i'm not finding you we're gonna go over and, and get on this other guy's spot so mm-hmm. they don't have that they don't have that competition between each other you know that they all got their own spots to go and as luck would have it it was a great spot i mean it was ridiculous it was full of full of elk they manage this place so strictly. Um, the number of bulls is crazy. And so the bulls and cows, like in a lot of places, spend summers apart, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the cows go and they have their calves and they spend their summer at wherever. And then the bulls, they kind of bachelor up and, and stay at this other place. Well, so one drainage over from where the cows lived, then the bulls were there. And there were just tons of freaking bulls in that place. Like when I say tons, the first evening, we probably made a two and a half, three mile loop um, total, mm-hmm. and then within that time, we saw like forty bulls. Jeez, man! Yeah, so it was unex- super unexpected. Um, they didn't have, we didn't see the quality kind of bulls that we'd just seen in, in that special unit in Idaho. Um, but you the said quantity, yeah, yeah, Montana. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. The quant, the quantity was just unbelievable it's i'm like where's the high fence right yeah 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 <laughs> this is it's like a two hundred eighty thousand acre um cattle ranch basically yep. um with with normal fences but i, I um, know the area well man i i, yeah, I know exactly you, where you were at you, you know where i'm at yeah yeah, yeah. so huge. anyhow then um it was just every day was just crazy cool it was really a thick country so it's my style you know mm-hmm. unfortunately Thick country doesn't lend itself to creating a really great video. You know what I mean? Oh, for so, sure. So it's tough to get all those interactions and stuff on a video to where you actually can see the bulls. When I when I see the bull, then the camera guy sees the bull. But so that, that was a very big challenge. But um, but man, we had a ball and end up shooting a bull on the third day. Um, and they they say, well, you know, they're like, well, we don't we don't try to restrict you to shooting a certain size antler bull but we want you to shoot a certain age class of bull they don't want you to shoot anything less than seven and a half years old um that way they <laughs> wow yeah right so i mean there would have been no way i would have been only um i, I mean i could have shot like a, a raghorn but i would have been in, in big trouble and my guide would have actually been in trouble he's like don't shoot don't huh. shoot unless i give you the go ahead he's like I, he's like i will literally get in trouble i'll probably lose my job Oh wow! It's that serious. Well, um, they do toward, take that serious, right? 
but the thing is there's there's plenty of that, those kind of elk it's not like oh well shoot i'm not going to get one i mean every <laughs> there were a lot there were lots of lots of mature bulls there and they, lots of young ones so. they were pretty vocal there too super vocal yeah. yeah it was crazy we probably heard we saw 50 40 bulls that first night and we probably heard 50 total i mean it was Holy crap dude the your opening couple weeks of september was a lot better than mine yeah it was like a ghost <laughs> town up here oh yeah well i, I think it might have ruined me a little bit <laughs> yeah it, could, it might have it might have i got all uh, excited like i don't know day two or three uh we got some bugles and I'm like, yeah, man, the bulls are on fire already. And then it just went, yeah, dead silent, hot, super, you know, just not great elk conditions, I guess. Um, so anyway, yeah, that, that's that's awesome, man. You were hunting kind of down with uh, with my uh, new buddy, Baker. Love it. I just had him yeah, on the cool. show. Yeah, yeah, Baker was there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I got an invite. So my cousin uh, Ev- is uh, Evan Hafer, so he's the founder yep one of the founders of Black Rifle Coffee, and he gave me this invitation last September. I was driving on the way to New Mexico. I was like, hey, and we've been trying to put together an elk hunt. He's like, hey, you want to go elk hunt next year? I'm like, heck yeah. And I said, where do you want to go? You want to go to New Mexico? He's like, hey, why don't you come to Utah um, and hunt with us? I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. I'm like, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> Let me and, think about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, and I feel like there's a lot of you, these these public land purists they're like gonna throw rocks or whatever but you know what they, those guys can pack sand because i don't know anybody that's gonna turn down a hunt like that that, that somebody say hey man you want to come hunt i mean yeah. hell yeah i mean it's, it's like it's like a dream hunt. it's like a win in the lottery it's like a white lifelong like dream of course it, it I'm totally a, is man and and baker and i were talking about that exact thing where people are you know they they give everybody shit for hunting these these private lands and one of the things i said to him was uh you know if if any of those people talking smack were to get an invitation to hunt a ranch like that at no charge they they would never in a million years turn that down or even if it was made affordable or, or whatever, like th- they would not say no. I'm a stone yeah. cold public land hunter and I would love to go hunt somewhere like that. So yeah. it, it's just, it's, it's a ridiculous argument. Right. And I will say this too, like that, that property, um, Joe public can, can draw that tag. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can, you can build points and you can draw it. It's, it's basically, they call it a CWM or whatever, but you can draw that. Joe public can draw that tag and you can go and you can, if you draw the tag, you can go hunt it and they will actually provide you a guide at no charge. They will feed you. Yeah. They will feed you. They will lodge you. If you draw the tag, they don't charge you at all. That's crazy. Um, It's a super limited draw though. I mean, there's not a bunch of guys drawing that tag. Yeah. I think you have to have, I mean, it's, it's over 20 points. It's crazy. I think so. But they also have deer and antelope and all, you know, they have Mm -hmm. a, everything moose they have everything that that uh utah has to offer for big game uh, on that place i don't think they have any goats or sheep but um you know the other main ones you know they do so yeah there was a guy there with these kids and one of the kids had got a tag and they were antelope hunting and just having the best time of their life and so anyway it was a cool place um sweet but yeah you know i'm a died i'm a died in the wool born and raised hunting uh, public land and, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just, I'm just going to say it. You people are going to call me a liar or, or crazy, but my, my highest anticipated hunt of the year was 
back to Idaho. You know, I, mm-hmm. where I hunt is almost, um, as important as, is what, as what I'm hunting. Right. Um, I just love the beauty, the nostalgia, the, the area, um, of, of Idaho, um, <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> comes with a lot of baggage, like hardly any elk <laughs> and elk, they yeah. don't like to bugle and stuff, but it makes it really challenging. But when it's good and when it clicks, I mean, it's so rewarding. So, yeah. um, so I, I will say that, you know, I still love my, 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 my normal good old fashioned over the counter stuff in Idaho. Um, but so after, so I ended up shooting a really nice bull there. And, um, so then after that, I got with cameraman Dusty. I had David frame with me before mm-hmm. got with cameraman Dusty and we headed down to New Mexico, New Mexico. So, um, you know, you told me last year about this time that you're not going to New Mexico again. And then you go down there. <laughs> Why do people keep telling me that? <laughs> I got to record it. Damn it. Damn it. You better lose it. Delete that. Delete that recording. <laughs> no. Well, uh, I think I, I added the caveat that I would not go to the same place that we'd gone the last couple of years because it was yeah. super, super tough and, um, and inhospitable inhospitable country well we went to a new place and um definitely had more elk a lot more uh, richer target environment um but it was just as in, inhospitable it was different looking it had there's a lot of trees there's tons of of pinion pines and tons of uh ponderosas and stuff and from a distance you're like wow this is beautiful man this is going to be awesome mm-hmm. then you get up close and start walking and all that stuff that looked like lush green grass. Well, that's noxious weeds. <laughs> oh, really? That's, that cover like a, a riverbed. And the riverbed is everywhere. It's the side of a hill. It's a mountaintop. It's a big flat field. <laughs> There's a little bit of dirt here and there. But, man, a lot of it was just rocky. Like you were like these round cobblestone rocks. Like you're rocking, walking down a creek bed or a riverbed. So, huh. <laughs> so from it's a distance, huh? Oh yeah. When we first pulled up, I'm like, Oh my God, this is places. Oh man, this is going to be awesome. Then you walk for 30 minutes and you look down in your pants. You can't even see the color of your pants anymore. Cause there's all these little pokey bastards sticking everywhere. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. And then you're rolling your ankle all day. But anyway, I don't want to complain, but anyway, that's, that's what it, it looked like. That's what the, the, the terrain was, but yeah, there was a lot more elk. Um, we were hunting a, a border of a, a uh, of a Native American in, uh, reservation, um, so you, with the tag you can't um, you can't go on there. So you know they have guided hunts over on the on the res there that they charge people a bazillion yeah. dollars to to go on. But but hunting the fringe there, you know there they, there's a lot of overlap. You know they'll go in and go out of the res, and um, so we hunted that edge. And every day there seemed to be fewer elk on my side of the fence. <laughs> Oh really? The elk were, yeah, the elk were just gravitating towards the res, to where it's like the first day it's like, oh yeah, there's quite a few bugles over here. And the next day it's like not quite somewhere. And by the third day, I'm like, man, it's getting almost to be a ghost town on that side. And it's just chaos over there. Just there's twenty, thirty bulls just going, just going crazy. Wow. And I'm like, man, I better. I'm not going to be super picky if I see it. Just a. I get a good, nice shot on a, a decent bull here on my side of the fence. I'm going to shoot at that thing. And 
and uh, we'd had a pretty lackluster morning, a lot of hiking, and and we could hear the just the giant party over on the res. And there was a couple bulls on our side, but one bull in particular just kept on piping off. And I said, "Hey, Dusty, you ready to go back to the truck?" He's like, "Sure." It's like mid morning. I said, "And on the way back, maybe we'll just shoot that bull." He's like, "Okay, that's fine." You know, we kind of laughed a little <laughs> bit, like, "Yeah, right." <laughs> like that's going to happen. So we walk over there, and get close to that bull, and and um, I give him a few of Joel Turner's. Uh, uh, pedo style um, cow, calf calls. You just meh, meh. a few little calf mm-hmm. calls, and yep, man, he he answered right away. I'm like, okay, I know where you are now. So we get close, super close to where I'm like, okay, if I take one more step, we're gonna jump this thing. And I took one more step, and I'm like, ah, oh, man, I'm, maybe we're too close. And I give a couple of more light calf calls, and he bugles, and I see him get up about 60, 80 yards away. I'm like, oh, there he is. And he didn't come in how I anticipated. I thought he'd get up and be like, hey, how you doing? Uh-huh. And come walking over to us. But he got up, bugled, walked around, started feeding. And he fed, and he would bugle, and he would feed, and, be, and he'd bugle. It took, I don't know, 15 minutes maybe or so. Huh. And, that, and I only called like after that, fir- or after that first initial him, him getting up. I think I only calf called one more time, maybe two more times, but so light you could barely hear it. I didn't really want him to pinpoint me and uh, came right over, fed his way right over to us and was able to, I I had a crack in between some limbs on a tree and I shot right between him and whacked him and, and uh, we were tagged out in New Mexico. Bull number two goes down for the season. Bull number two. Yeah. Bull number two goes down. And we're like, man, we're going to hit North Idaho just at the prime time. It's going to be great. We're going to go up there. We'll just be scooping up bowls with a butterfly net. <laughs> man, I got meat in the freezer. Uh, I'm not shooting nothing unless it's big, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, we get up to North Idaho, and it's just ghost town. Well, the first day we get there, it's pouring down rain, and we don't hear nothing. And the only thing that we get that day is a blowout. I cut the sidewall out of the front tire on my pickup, just gutted it like a fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and change out in the rain. That was fun. And um, anyway, we hung out. Next day, I'm like, well, I got a, I, we were, got to a place where we had cell phone service. So I called all over, called every tire shop and within a hundred mile radius trying to find tires. And I don't know if anybody's bought tires lately, but they're pretty damn expensive. I, I know, mean, man. Like ridiculous, Absolutely. outrageously. You just like, what is the deal? You think gas prices are ridiculous? <laughs> this is this is uncalled for. This somebody needs to look into this. Yeah. But um, I mean, I paid the price I paid for normal pickup tires um, is like what people paid for monster truck tires just a couple of years ago. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's it's ludicrous, man. It, I mean, I mean, there's there's like these a few things. Tires are one of them that is is absolutely ludicrous. Um, <laughs> so I feel for you for sure. Yeah. So the next day, I, I I'm like, okay, I found some tires about a hundred miles from where we're at. I'm like, all right, well, we'll hunt till noon tomorrow, and then we'll 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 head out and we'll go to the tire shop. So Dusty and I hunted till noon. Got on a, on a couple bowls that morning, and they sucked us down into some really nasty places. And <laughs> mm-hmm. we 
we fought our way through the brush and said a couple of bad words and on the way in and out didn't kill nothing called in a bull to i don't know 10 yards maybe and i all i could see i, I got one glimpse of an antler tip i couldn't tell you if he was a, a 400 incher or a, a 100 inch. <laughs> 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 it was a bull i know that yeah He'd come up he got to about 10 yards and raked a little bit and then he got right below us and got wind but um, huh. anyhow um so we get back to camp and dusty says uh, hey man, I think your other t- this tire over here is flat or getting low. I'm like, look, I'm like, yep, it's low. So one of the other tires took a giant rock right through the face, Jeez. and I'm just like, man, I just I was babying this thing to down. Like I normally kind of drive my truck pretty hard, mm-hmm. you know, through the woods. I don't usually baby it, and this thing, I was just putting around all like it was Grandpa Jones put putting around through the woods. So I'm like, ah, oh, dang it. So luckily. I bought a uh, plug kit and a pump, a tire pump earlier for this hunt because I'd had some tire trouble earlier in the year. I'm like, I, I got to make sure I got, I got the stuff. So are you I had running, to dig this. Are you running like 10 ply tires or what are you doing? Yeah, these are 10 ply, but really? I'm going to find out, you know, you know, I, I spent 18 years working um, in the tire industry. So, and mm-hmm. at that time, at that time um, I knew good years were a piece of shit tire. And, um, but I thought, well, you know, I am, you know, I, I got out of the tire business in 2010. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's been forever ago. Surely they're, you know, these new ones are pretty awesome. They look badass. Um, yeah, it turns out they're shit too. (laughs) (laughs) Still shit. So don't buy those. Yeah. yeah, They're still garbage. Um, so yeah, I I run a big old sharp arrowhead looking rock. I mean, more like a spearhead type rock right through the face of the tire. So I I shoved that thing completely full of plugs, like three plugs and pumped it up. I'm like, all right, cross our fingers. We got a long ways to go. And we ended up getting some new tires, but, uh, for a, for a nominal fee, you guys. Yeah. For for a a phenomenal fee of, uh, (laughs) of about two, $2,000. I mean, wrap your head around that. It's $500 a piece, 500 nuts, man. And these are just average size pickup tires. I don't even, my, Track's not even jacked up. I don't have thirty fives or yeah. I mean, either like yeah, just, just regular, regular That's, size. Tires. It's like the same ones three years ago. I put some really nice ten ply tires on my wife's suburban. It's a three quarter ton suburban, so mm-hmm. I put some really nice tires on them, and uh, it, it was twelve hundred dollars three years ago. And yeah. th- like th- I thought that was ludicrous, but yeah, now now you're looking at two grand for the basically the same tire. It's it's stupid, man. Yeah, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Wait till you have to buy tires for your Ford. I don't want to talk about that. My Ford is already costing me a ton of money right now. So <laughs> too soon, too soon. <laughs> yeah, it's I I just I just signed up for Truck Trauma Anonymous. Um, I'll be starting those meetings next week because yeah yeah my i've had a hell of a time with uh all my pickups yeah so so anyway got tires um got back in the game right okay we're back in the game we got uh, tires all right come on elk bugle and we started we got a couple more bulls to bugle and then uh i get word my wife um has to go to the hospital. She at midnight, she goes to the hospital and she's just not feeling good. She's just feeling super sick and like a lot of pain. Oh no. She gets in, she gets in there and come to find out she's got appendicitis. Oh geez. Jessica's got appendicitis and, um, they're like, yeah, um, it didn't 
burst all of a sudden. It sounded like it kind of like leaked a little bit and then and just made her sicker. So she didn't have that immediate like big painful experience like a lot of folks have with appendicitis where you're like, oh, man, something's wrong. I got to go to the doctor. Yeah. Just kind of come on real slow, made her real sick. Um, anyhow, so she gets in there. They have to do an emergency surgery. They can't do the just the laparoscopic three little hole surgery. They try and then they find out, oh, my gosh, this is like really bad. Since it kind of crept up on her, it had been leaking a while. So it actually caused more damage. And they had to remove they had to remove part of her intestine. Um, they had to pull her they basically had to pull her guts out and cut out the bad parts and sew them back together. Holy cow, um, man. Yeah, yeah. Very intrusive surgery and plus all that that stuff that leaks out um of your of your appendix and that was had got in you know by your intestines so they had to clean all that out so she had a drain tube and oh wow and uh, pretty extensive so, yeah so at that point my season my elk season, archery elk season's over you know i gotta get home and make sure you know yeah she's gonna be okay and take care of her and be here for moral support because it's, it's you know it's very demoralizing when you have a surgery like that and you're, you're in a lot of pain and she was still in a lot of pain when she came home so hmm Gosh, man, that sucks. I didn't. I didn't know it was that bad. I knew. I, I knew kind of what was going on, but I didn't know it was that extensive. Yeah, yeah. And then after we were home for a couple of days, then you know she's going back in for a checkup, and they're like, "Yeah, this is getting infected." So she had an incision about a four inch incision. Yeah, I mean, I could literally could have stuck all four fingers in my palm of my hand down in this hole. It's so big, right? Oh, wow. And they have to they have to pull the sutures out. And open it up and express the, the infection, you know, the pussy stuff mm-hmm. out, yep. which is horribly painful. I mean, they gave her some uh, lidocaine injection around that, but she's like, that that didn't really do anything. She thought it was like the worst pain of her life. So so then they had to leave it open so it would drain. Oh, so wow. every day there for three or four days, we went in and they had to, they had to pack it with gauze. They had stuffed gauze down inside the hole. We had to go in every day for like three or four days and they would repack it. And then finally, um, like yesterday, we had a follow-up appointment and um, they had pulled out the packing and kind of let it start closing up <clears throat> on its own. And, and the doc's like, yeah, it looks really great. There's, the infection's oh, gone. Um, and and if, you, if you look at it, it's like, man, from what it was to now, it's like, geez, this is things like sealed right up, like just like they stitched it together or something is crazy huh wow. he's like yeah so so unless you're having more problems um you're good to go you don't need to come back in and see me anymore so god that's nuts dude yeah i didn't i didn't know it was and all your all, all the the way you're paying her back is all you're doing is taking to her to reba mcintyre yeah i mean <laughs> <laughs> you know it's the little victories right and the, <laughs> it's the reba little mcintyre it's I think I think that's called for. <laughs> well, Reba's going to be honored. I just yeah. There is only one call company here at the Western Huntsman, and that is Phelps Game Calls, born out of hunting and the necessity to make the best calls on the market. Jason Phelps started this company in his garage back in 2009, and now he's got some of the finest lineup of elk calls, turkey calls, predator calls, waterfowl calls available on the market if you guys go to the website check it out and get what you need and if you're in the market when you go to checkout use promo code huntsman 10 for 10 percent off 
Whether you're just getting started or have expert-level calling skills, check it out at Phelps Game Calls. Get them close. Hoffman Boots is a fourth-generation-owned boot company, a family of shoemakers based in North Idaho. I've been sporting a pair of Hoffmans for close to a decade, and I really like the Hoffman Explorer in the 8-inch. It's the best boot out there, so check it out at hoffmanboots.com, and you'll see the whole lineup of hunting boots and lineman boots and pack boots and everything else right there on the website. And if you choose to purchase a pair of boots, make sure you use the promo code all caps lock huntsman 10 for 10% off. Scree Gear, extreme high-performance hunting attire and gear that is scientifically tested, complete layering systems, and some of the finest merino wool products to keep you warm and comfortable. And it's all backed by a great company. What I really like about Scree is if you go to the website, they have these bundle options like the elk bundle or the whitetail bundle or the turkey bundle, all that stuff that'll get you completely outfitted for your favorite hunt. The starter bundle is a really good deal. Make sure you check that out. They've got the VIP sizing guarantee. And so you can exchange something if it doesn't fit right at absolutely no charge to you. Guys, it's a great warranty, great company. And at checkout, as always, use promo code the Western Huntsman for 15% off and free shipping. The Elk Collective. Folks, the best investment you can make when it comes to hunting is what's between your ears. Having elk knowledge is what separates those who succeed every once in a while versus those who notch a tag every single year. So go to the Elk Collective and sign up. There's over 150 videos in this online course to teach you everything you need to know by some of the best experts to ever enter the elk woods. It's a great program at a great price, guys. And if you use the promo code, the Western Huntsman, you're going to get 20 bucks off of your entire course. So instead of 89 bucks, you'll get it for $69. And now that September is over and we're into October and November and all these fall hunts, if you get it now, you're going to have an entire year to go through all this course. And believe me, you're going to need it. There's so much content in there. So check it out and use the promo code, the Western Huntsman, all one word. Last but not least is Tacticam. Guys, you know I've been using Tacticam for a very long time. I really like my Tacticam 5.0s. I like my Tacticam in the wide lens, so you can get that kind of wider angle and shot. Uh, the, they've upgraded now. They've got the Tacticam 6.0, which is super cool. I can't wait to get mine. And also the cell cams. Don't forget about the Tacticam Reveal cell cams. They've got a bunch of different series of these things, and I've got them all over my property, so I know what's going on at all times. Whether I got a bear that's coming after my chickens, or if I have an intruder down at the driveway, or if I have a giant monster whitetail buck over in my hunting spot, I know what is going on at all times. I love my Tacticam reveals, guys. Check it out at Tacticam.com. Let's get back to the show. Here we go. No, I, I'm uh, I'm glad that's all healing up and, and doing good for her. I, I yeah, like I said, I, I didn't know. So tell her, tell her we're we're thinking about her. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's it's and she's a long ways from being recovering. I mean, she's still mm-hmm. kind of shuffling around and has a lot of pain, and so. Um, but but I think she's out of the woods as far as the serious nature of it. So yeah. she gave me the she gave me the green light to go to go hunting again. So I I have this. Um, I got a second elk tag, a, a B tag for Idaho. So oh, you do uh, for rifle? Yeah. So I'm gonna go out and see if I can get sweaty and maybe get lucky and find a 
find a bowl. But, staying, um, staying down south for that one? Uh, no, I'm, I'm going to hunt a new area I've never hunted before. Um, and it's more of a scouting trip with a tag in my pocket. <laughs> nice. No, that's that, that, sometimes those are the best hunts, man. Yeah. yeah so I, I do have it. a deer, deer tag too. So I'm, I'm hoping maybe I'll see a, a nice buck, mm-hmm. get a big buck. And, and it's a long shot seeing if I a big bull, but who knows? You know, I might, you know, it's you more of a, know. more of a, more of a recon mission. And so sweet. Well, that sounds like a good time. Yeah. yeah. So, well, that's, that's a good way to bring up some, uh, some new calls from Phelps, man. Uh, when we're taught, when we start talking about how our elk seasons are kind of winding down and now we're looking at deer hunting. Yeah. Yeah. Deer season, man. I, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but I, whitetail hunting was my first love. Like I, mm-hmm. I read every book, magazine article, <laughs> bought every grunt call known to man, um, growing up hunting whitetails, man. I, I mean, it rivaled elk hunting and, you know, even for a while there. Um, but so, you know, I'm a big, big whitetail fanatic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would, you know, at one time Idaho had fantastic whitetails these mm-hmm. days. It's not, not so great, but, um, not well like it was in the nineties, but, um, Still, yeah, I still like to get out there. You know, I and and I (laughs) I did know that about you. uh, And you know, similarly, I love deer hunting, and and I love whitetail and mule deer hunting, and I love being able to acknowledge the difference between the two and how to how to go about them a little differently. Um, And and so so deer hunting is is for sure my my longest standing hunt passion. Um, yeah. and, 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 you know, I, I've got elk hunting as a major passion and now I've got this new thing where I'm, I'm kind of half psychotic about bear hunting, man. I, I freaking love <laughs> bear hunting. Holy cow. Oh, it's yeah. a good time. So, um, so these, these calls, uh, talk to us a little bit about what's coming out. They're whitetail focused, obviously. Um, right. tell us a little bit about these new, these new Phelps calls, man. Well, so it's Phelps game calls, right? So you can't just be generalized game calls unless you have something besides elk calls. So we had a turkey calls. So then, well, we can't, we got to be all, all encompassing. So we added uh, some deer calls to this as well. Um, so we did a full lineup. Um, we got three different grunt calls. We got a new uh, doe bleat call. And then um, we kind of did an update on our fonda distress call. Um, kind of cleaned it up, made it a little bit cooler, a little nicer. And, uh, so we got the, the full, the full gamut on these calls and, um, you know, we wanted to make something that would fit everybody's, uh, needs and tastes, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so our premium call, which is the, um, beta, the beta pro, the beta, beta pro, yep. the beta pro. Yep. So that thing, um, we kind of stole a page from the um, waterfowl industry call industry, right? Mm-hmm. So all all your all your duck call guys, all your goose call guys know that acrylic um, duck and goose calls they just play better, they sound better, they just have they just there's there's something to it, you know. That's it's such a nice um, nice material to work with to make a call, and it's just so reactive. And and Phillips is like, you know, damn it, why can't He's like, you know, these guys are selling their goose calls for three hundred dollars. 
and they're selling their duck Jeez, calls for really? two, two. Yeah, waterfowl calls are ridiculous. I mean, especially if you get some really nice high end stuff, wow. they're two, three hundred dollars for these things. I don't really waterfowl um, hunt, so I, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I, me neither. I didn't know that. Um, so th- you you can spend a lot of money on those things. And he's like, why are those things so expensive? And then why why can't why he's like he's looking at the guts of them. He's like, why couldn't we make a buck grunt call? And with the same fashion. So mm-hmm. went to the drawing board, um, built the, built out a tone board. Um, so the body and the tone board is all one piece. Then it has a barrel that slides over the top of that held in place by a couple of O-rings. Um, but then on the, then on the read part, you know, the, my biggest complaint over the years, cause I've run countless different um, grunt calls is when you're blowing on them in cold weather, yeah, things yep. they collect they collect condensation in the reed sticks, right? Yep, yep, exactly. So, so throughout the day, you're taking your call apart, you're drying it out, you're you're trying everything you can do to keep that thing from freezing up. So, we put a little rivet, if you will, um, in the end of the reed, made it a little longer, and give that thing some momentum. That way, no matter how much condensation gets in there. It's not going to lock up because that we that weighted reed will get that that momentum going and get it going again every time, so it doesn't doesn't freeze up. And you're still so, you're still talking about the beta one, right? The beta pro, right? But we but they all have a, a weighted reed system in it. Oh, okay, um, okay. So all, all the all the grant calls have the have the similar weighted reed system uh, to them. That way they don't because I mean. So the, the, the beta pro, you know, that's a premium top shelf one. So you're spending a little bit, a little bit more just because how it's made, what it's made out of. And let me, let me go ahead and tell a cool, really cool part about this is these things are made in the USA. Yep. You know, all your other, all your other cheap grunt calls, they're made overseas. That's why they're cheap, right? They can make them mm-hmm. mold injection over there. They can, they can make a bunch of them for inexpensive. These things are made in Washington state, right? They're, they're, they're machined in Washington state. They're assembled in Washington. Um, Employing and, oh, Americans. There's, America. there's a lot, there's a lot to be said for that, brother. Made in America by Americans. That's right. <laughs> Can we even <laughs> say that today? We're going to get canceled. You're going to get, you're going to get some <laughs> wokester after you, man. They're going to oh, come man. and cancel Phelps for being American made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So then. So that's our top shelf one, you know, it's got it. Oh, and I'll talk about the bellow tube also. So the bellow tube, you know, it's not just some tube that we ordered off some medical supply company website, you know, like a lot of them are, um, this, it's just a, a, tube, a lot of, a lot of tubes are just kind of a do a double purpose tube from a, another industry. Right. Mm-hmm. Phelps, Phelps sought this thing out, felt this guy had, I don't know, he sent him like 25, 30 different tubes and which ones, what, what do you like about each one? And then we got to make this thing fit. So he kind of, kind of figured out what he liked best about it. And then they made these tubes special for us. Um, so, hmm. so, so both of both the, the alpha and the beta, they both have a tube, a bellow tube on them. They're, they're custom tube to that call. Yeah. 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 So they're pretty sweet, man. What's, what's the biggest difference between this beta and the alpha? So, so with the price point on that, on that beta being a little bit high for a lot of people, you know, we wanted to make some sure we had a, a price point call that was, mm. um, was, it was available to, you know, guys who don't want to spend, you know, 75 bucks for a deer call. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the alpha 
it's it's made of some different components. Um, it's got it's got a little a little different tone board. It's got a um, similar reed system, um, but that tone board it's it's injection molded, right? Mm-hmm. It's yep. not it's yep. not a it's not a it's not a it's not a machine, so you save costs there, right? Um, but there again, you know, it's it's a USA injection molded. It's not a it's not a one done overseas. Um, so it is a little bit. The components are a little bit more expensive, you know. It's not um, made in China, right? <laughs> China, China. <laughs> uh, so you know, you you have that going for it, and then it's got a little different read system. And it, you know, it's it, the, the read, the read system and the tone board system is a little bit different. Um, oh yeah. I could see now that when you, when you could look at that picture, I could see the difference in the read yeah, there. Yeah. So there's some, there's, so there's some different, there's some different, different aspect to that different shape, different, different size. So, um, it's a little bit harder to tune. So you can, you can push that that read out through the tail end uh-huh. and uh, you know, you can adjust the sound quality by slight or sound profile by sliding your um, O-ring up and down that tone board. But um, I know I, you know what I said, I said earlier, that's an injection molded. It's not an injection mold. I think it's kind of partially metal and it's a metal tone board. Uh-huh. But um, anyway. Oh yeah. I guess. Um, yep. Yep. Okay. It, it's tuned out of the box. It's tuned to have a mature buck sound, mature buck profile. So, you know, if you want to challenge a big buck's dominance, you know, you're going to have like a more dominant type buck sound profile. Um, and you can blow on these things really good. They don't just lock up. Some some calls you can blow on them and they just like stick, right? If you blow hard. Yeah. These, or- thing, these things don't lock up. They might sound a little weird on the on when you really blow super hard on them, but they won't just just won't cut out on yeah, you. Yeah, mo- so. most of the ones I've always used, especially like in the heat of the moment, you know there's a big buck coming in kind of thing. And uh it, I mean it's it's way different than elk calling, right? And so you're you're right. a lot more um sensitive to I, I don't know. It, it's we can go down that road later, but the what what happens is in most cases these calls will uh, if we're talking in like podcast terms, when, if somebody's too loud on the mic, it goes into the red and it's called clipping, right? And, right. It, and it makes the voice sound really weird. It's the same with a lot of the, the grunt tubes I've used in the past, where if you hit that sucker, just like a little bit wrong, it'll start clipping and it'll totally screw up a cow call. I, I or not a cow call, a, um, a call in because I feel like, especially a mature whitetail, is a lot less forgiving than like say a a screaming bull elk like you can screw up a cow call or a bugle and that sucker will still come in Uh, a whitetail man they're a lot more sensitive i think do you do what do you think is that true yeah i think i think whitetails are a little more sensitive um i think you know on the the days where where bucks are so stoned rut rutted up and stoned you know Mm maybe maybe they wouldn't be quite as sensitive just because they're so out of their mind for the rut. But, um, I think, I think, um, for the most part though, they're going to be a lot more sensitive, a lot more, um, you know, critical of, of the sounds you make. So, yeah. Yeah. but it's funny too, you know, you talk to a lot of different hunters and, and everybody's kind of got their own little like way they like to call deer. You know, some guys like, no, I like to sound like an immature buck. And some guys like, no, I want to sound like a very dominant buck and they'll have the reasons why and stuff. So anyway, we set this as at a, at a dominant, dominant buck type vocalization. Mm-hmm. And, um, you can, you can, you can pop that, 
you can pop that uh, soundboard out and slide your slide your um, O-ring a little bit and, and adjust it to the sound you like too. So, you know, it, it does have that option. So you're just not stuck with, you know, one shot Charlie. You're, you're actually, yeah. you know, kind of, you can make it sound however you want it to sound. Um, but it, you know, and it's a little more, you know, uh, a little more friendly for your price point too. I think it's 49 bucks. Yeah. 49.99 um, use promo yeah. code Huntsman 10 for $4 and 99 cents off. Is that correct? <laughs> I think, I think, I think we need to redo your, your, um, your, your code, your code's not working. I know. I keep getting messages, man. I, 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 I totally, every time I get a message about it, I'm in the middle of something. I forget to text you, but yeah, right. the, the code's not working. In fact, I got one yesterday after we were talking on the phone. Oh yeah. Uh, another message. Well, so. well, we, um, so we, we changed websites, you know, web, website platforms mm-hmm. this year yeah. in July. And all the, all the discount codes that were working before, um, there's a handful of them, then those quit working because we got this new website and it didn't accommodate for that. And our, our computer nerds there kind of told us, you know, this and that and the other thing and why it doesn't work. And I don't know, it doesn't make any sense to me. And, but, but they're the nerds, right? Yep. Yep. They're, they, <laughs> but, they'll fix it. But we do have them working on it to where, um, it, we're gonna have some affiliate like like a link mm-hmm. i think at some point here um crossing my fingers sooner the better but um at least for 2023 that way um we can get back rolling on that bandwagon again too for you know we like to support you and your podcast and your listeners and and followers so well i appreciate but anyway that, that, that that's coming down the so pipe coming Just down the pipe not quite as fast as i'd like it <laughs> <laughs> i i hear you it, it'll happen so guys uh i listening we don't have the, the the promo code for the phelps stuff is not working right now but uh hopefully we'll we'll get that up and running here as, as soon as possible but um what about this omega hybrid grunt call it when you say when it's a hybrid is that something that is hybrid for buck calls or is that something that'll be like a buck slash doe bleat kind of thing oh, yeah you could call bucks or geese with it no just kidding <laughs> <laughs> it's a hybrid <laughs> it's a hybrid mammal mammals and the avians that's birds of the lay to the layperson <laughs> no no so what why it's a hybrid is so it's got a a, a turned uh, machined acrylic barrel and then the uh, the body is cast it's 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 not even injection molded it's a it's cast it's cast molded i guess so our buddy uh james harrison um he is a old-time call builder so he's been building owl hooting calls forever and um turkey calls and he's been working on these butt calls for a long time too so he had his own mold on those he's like hey guys you guys can use use my mold that way you can we can make these things in the states so so the body um the body is is cast and then, and then i think the tone board is is injection molded and then um anyway this thing doesn't have have a bellow tube on it like like uh-huh. yeah I'm, I'm every like every grunt call that i've ever used and like wait what it doesn't i mean why but I guess that's a thing. So there's, you know, I don't think the popularity is there as much as the ones that have the little tube because you can you can squish the tube and you can change the pitch and tone a little bit. But you can, can do a lot of the same stuff with your hand on this thing. But there's a lot of people that prefer that type of call for whatever reason. Uh, we had, you know, we had tons of feedback from a lot of different people. 
and you know they were a lot of them were like oh yeah you got to make one like this so like well okay sounds good we're gonna make one like that so it's another it's you know a no frills call so you know we want to make this thing affordable so we take the bellow tube off um do a couple other things a little bit different um and sound profile is still really great mm-hmm. but it it is different um than the others we tune it to sound like a young buck yeah i was gonna say this is gonna so, be great for the the guys that like to use the young buck sounds um yeah yeah it, and it's tuned for like a young buck and and I've, I've played with her a lot um just you know cupping my hands around it just doing various little things with my hand around it and you can really you can change the pitch and make it you can you can make it sound however you want to make it sound yeah. almost almost like the the bellow tube style um, what i like about it i've always liked a smaller a smaller tube i don't like a, a big tube that takes up a lot of space because i like to keep them in my chest pocket on mm-hmm. my jacket yep that way it's just right there i can reach into it with very minimal movement i can reach in grab it pull it out give a couple horn horns on that thing and stick it back in mm-hmm. um I don't like it swinging around my neck. I don't like it. Yeah. You know, and some of the, yeah. And some of the bigger ones I've used in the past, I mean, they're so big. Um, I used to have to keep them in my, my cargo pocket in my pants. I I couldn't even put them in my chest pocket or my, my, you know, normal coat pockets. So, um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about using this one just for the way I like to hunt. Um, I mean, I, for, for me, um, I, I, like I would go out, I would definitely have the Omega hybrid one and then I would also have either the beta or the alpha one too, because a lot of times you'll get out and if you're, if you're seeing this isn't going to hold true so much in North Idaho where it's so thick and brushy, but um, if you know, there's a buck and you could see that buck out there that, you know, maybe he's a hundred yards out or something. It's interesting how they won't even acknowledge one call, but you switch and all of a sudden they're coming. You know what I mean? And so, right. and it's like elk, you know, it's, it's kind of like elk. You, you, they won't acknowledge a, a bugle, but you cow call at them. Maybe they'll, they'll come in or vice versa. So, uh, it's, it's just, they, they have, they have their own little personalities. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So th- that's the, the grunt call lineup. That's mm-hmm. they're, they're pretty cool. They're, they've got something for everybody. Like, like I said, that the, the Omega, it's like a 39 nine. uh call but uh so you know they're not going to be your your you know your $20 ones your $15 ones your $12 ones you buy at the Walmart yeah Um, but but you you get what you pay for they're made in America they're made out of good solid quality components we've done tons of testing on these things to make sure they're going to be good and you pick them up there you immediately see it's a quality product it's not some rinky dink plastic piece of junk that Mm -hmm. um (laughs) I've got one I bought one like it must have been 1988 um, this was one, it was the Bob, Bob Zaglin, uh, series. And it showed a picture of this guy named Bob Zaglin from Texas. And I guess he must've been some big whiz bang, um, uh, deer hunter down there. And, um, this thing sounded terrible. It looked uh-huh. cool. It was, it was kind of an olive green color and, and man, it sounded terrible. It just like super like rattly and like plasticky. And like, I was so excited to buy this thing. And when I got it, you know, I, I had to spend my own money on this thing too. It wasn't like my parents bought it. I had to spend my own. It was $25 back then, which was a lot of money. 
Yeah, and, sure. Uh, and I got this thing. I think I'd watched him. He was on like Eastman's. Remember, uh, um, old man Eastman, Gordon, mm-hmm. not G- Gordon. No, no, not Gordon, but his the younger one, um, Mike, Mike Eastman. Mike Eastman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I was drawing so, a blank too. Yeah, yeah. Mike, Mike Eastman, and this Bob Zaglin. I think had had collabed on this call or something, and, and he went hunting together. I don't know. This is just from vague memory from 1988, right? Mm-hmm. As a kid. But anyway, um, I was so pumped up to get that call, and then it didn't sound that good. And then, like, I took it apart trying to adjust it, and then I broke it. <laughs> <laughs> so, literally, dang it. Uh, here a couple years ago, when my mom passed away, and I was going through her her house, their house up there, or the house I grew up in. Then there was a bunch of my crap up there still. I'm like, hey, there's my old Bob Zaglin butt call, and and I I, <laughs> I look at it still with that like, man, I wish that thing would have worked out. And like, I took it apart again, like maybe I can figure it. No, it's still broken. <laughs> still broken. Dang it. <laughs> Uh, oh, but anyway, funny. anyway, didn't, I've had, not, didn't mean to throw rocks in anybody on that. But, no, no. Yeah. You're, I, I mean, come on. That thing's from several decades ago. Uh, and it, it's, I've had a ton of different calls, man. I've tried all, I, in fact, I swear, I it seems like every season I'm buying new grunt calls because I, 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 I'm never super satisfied with how they work. Like, I don't have a go-to for... Right. With my elk calls, I've got my go-to reeds. I've got my go-to uh, tube. And right. it's, you know, that, that's... I've, I haven't switched it in... Gosh, I think this was my third season on... Maybe it was my second season on this. How long have these Renegade tubes been out? Mm, 2018? Was it 2018? Okay, so this was 20, probably I think my that's third. The, 2018 was the first year, my prototype year. So after that, then... But that was just the Maverick, wasn't it? Or did they no, both come out? Yeah, it came. I I had that prototype tube in 2018, but I think it we started selling in 2019. Okay. Anyway, point being, I I just I I was going to this um I, and and it, it was a miracle, man, on the with the truck fire. Uh, of all the things I'm grabbing, just throw out of my truck while the fire fire was taking it over. I grabbed my Renegade tube. <laughs> <laughs> and saved it. Atta boy. So, Atta boy. <laughs> you'd have been proud. I would have made for a good Phelps commercial. Oh shit, there's a fire. Grab the tube. But um anyways, with with these grunt calls, uh there's just something that like is always whether they stick when it's cold or whether they don't sound right or whether, you know, some of those tubes, you adjust them up and down and then they get, they, they fray and break easy or crack. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they get real brittle. Um, and yep. so I've just never, I'm, I'm, that's why I'm really excited about these because it, we need quality, uh, grunt calls because they just haven't been. And I don't mean to, I don't mean to talk trash about everybody else who makes them, but they just, the quality hasn't been there. And so they let you down, you know, you, right. you stick it in your, I've got these scree pants, uh, the, the hard scrabble scree pants with the little side pocket and it's yeah. perfect for sticking my grunt call in. But if, if it gets hung up while you're pulling it out, it cracks and then the, the, the grunt call is useless. So I'll be, right. I'll be back there hunting and the damn thing falls apart on me and I'm, I'm without a grunt call. And so, uh, I'm not, I'm not great with a grunt call, but I can tell you that, uh, it, it, they, they do work if you know how to use them on the right kind of buck. In fact, last year I had this one, I'm like, Burp. and he turns around, he's walking away from me, turns around and starts walking towards me. And he's every step he takes. Have you ever seen, uh, you know, like sometimes an old lady, every step she takes, she farts. Got the walking farts. A walking fart. 
Like it, it's the same. It, that's what this guy was doing. Every step he took, he's going, burp, 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 and he's coming right towards me. And then as soon as it, it cleared up and I could see him, he's just a little guy. So I, I just passed on him. But um, so they do. They, I mean, they work great. I think. Um, yeah. What Where about, I like to use them, I, I don't like to sit on the stand for very long. If I sit very long, I fall asleep. Yeah, me too. To be honest. So my favorite mode of uh, operation for hunting whitetails is I like to go to a big stand of mature timber and um, follow the deer trails through. And I just, and I still hunt my way through. Now it'll take literally two hours to go 200 yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm basically standing in one spot, but slightly moving every now and then just to get a little different perspective. And, and during the rut, that's a really great tactic. It's, it takes a lot of discipline though, because um, and you got to put on a lot of, a lot of clothes too. Like if you don't, if you, if you don't wear enough clothes, you're going to get cold and you're going to get impatient. But if, if you put on too many clothes, then if you move too fast, you get too hot. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I like to still hunt. And then whenever I get from the, in the transition spots from the big open timber with some brush and you get to like the smaller, like reprod type stuff where, you know, it's like, okay, I'm getting close to the bedding area. I like to just sit down right in the edge of that bedding area, right in the edge of that, where I can like look underneath the branches, everything I'll sit down and I'll sit right there and I'll call a little bit. And that's usually typically where I do my, most of my grunting mm-hmm. um, is right at the edge of that bedding area in the middle of the day and mid morning, middle of the day when deer aren't moving around as much. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many times I've had that just happen. Just like you might hear a twig snap and you look up and there's a buck standing like, 10 yards away. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times, a lot of times in that thick stuff at his eye level standing, there's branches in the way Mm -hmm. and I'm below that. I can see under, it's like, Oh, I I can see you. And then uh, you take the shot. But, um, that, that's a, that's been deadly for me. Um, over the years, I I just love that. And it's so much fun. Um, and, and I don't, I don't get bored and, and fall asleep and, um, yeah. but yeah, you have to have that. It's these days though, it's tar- hard to find that mature, uh, timber, you know, with mm-hmm. the way they clear, clear cut and select cut everything these days. It's like, man, it's really tough to find that kind of timber to hunt, but yeah, uh, that's, sure. that's, that's what I love. Yeah, me too. I, I love it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm like you, I, I, I do a lot of the still hunting and then I'll sit on the edge of some kind of transitional area opening area i don't know sometimes it's a little meadow or just just a break in the trees and yeah. i'll just I'll, i i'm able to sit and watch that and you know usually there's a game trail on it um but that's where the calling comes into uh, uh comes into play you know what i haven't had any success with is rattling i i've called in little teeny bucks rattling but never yeah. never anything big so back uh, in the day back in the day um when there was a really there was lots of big bucks um, and I feel like the, the buck to doe ratio, there was a lot more bucks per doe, mm-hmm. um, and, and a lot more mature bucks per doe. I had a lot better luck rattling back then, but, but now that there's not as many deer and as many as mature bucks, I just don't have as much luck rattling and it could be too. It could just be the day I'm doing it too. The days I'm doing it. Um, yeah. you know, I, I feel, I feel like there's some magic days, um, to do it. And then there's other times like there's no amount of rattling in the world that's going to draw a buck in because yeah. they're locked up on a doe or something. But. I I was rattling a couple of years ago, and uh, that I was telling you how I I'll sit on some of these little openings, uh, kind yeah. of a transition area, you know, dark timber to dark timber, and <laughs> I start rattling, and this buck jumps up out of the brush that I didn't know was in front of me, 
I don't know, oh, geez. 30 yards and runs the other way. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I'm out of here. <laughs> I lost my faith in it, man. What about this uh, DOA doe bleat? So you can't have a deer call line without doe, doe calls, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, you know, doe, doe, it's funny. You know, there's there's some some people that are like, oh, yeah, you got to have a doe call. Man, I, I just use it a lot. And other guys, just they're just like, yeah, I don't really use it that much. But um, we want to make sure we had something for everybody. Um and the research and development on this thing was kind of crazy. So we've all heard that um, one company, they have that, this, this call called the can, right? Yep. Um, it's a pretty cool product. Um, every time you just pull it out, you just tip it over and it makes a really, uh, makes a really good dough, dough blade. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to know how to do it. All you have to do is know how to turn that thing over. And um, so Jason's like, well, do I, do I tune this thing to sound like that? Whatever everybody's familiar with. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to watch a ton of like videos on doe vocalizations. And what he found was a lot of doe vocalization, most doe vocalizations are a little bit deeper in pitch and tone, mm-hmm. um, which I, I could agree with because I've, I've had, had encountered with those where it's almost like, is that doe grunting? It, you know, it's a pretty low pitch mm-hmm. um, rather than like a, the, the higher pitch. So not to knock on another product. I mean, that's a, that's a great product too, that they, those guys sell, kill a sure. million deer with, I'm sure people have killed a million deer with those things, mm-hmm. but we want something that sound, it was a little bit different, a little different tone and try to be as um, accurate, accurate as the doe vocalizations that we can, that we can find. And, and so that's how we tuned this. Um, and there again, if you, if you don't like the, the preset tuning on it, you can always manipulate that little O-ring a little bit and, um, and set it to the, to the sound you really want. But, uh, it's a little, it's a little, a little lower pitch. It's, it's, it's pretty low. I need one of those. That's awesome. Do, yeah. do, blow that thing. Check again. your mailbox. Check your mailbox. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I, I sent you a care package, so you, you you'd see what we're talking about on this. You stud you. Yeah. So it's a little deeper tone, um, but I think it's very accurate from what I've heard. And then you know the countless videos. You know, Jason, he's going to be like the first guy. He's like, I'm not a whitetail guy. He's like, but I want to I want to know as much as I can. So he done a ton of research on it and, and that way we, that's the way he tuned these calls to that, to that research. Uh, and then we worked with a lot of, a lot of different, I, I'm thinking 30, 40 guys, you know, did questions, answers, you know, asking people their feedback and like, what, what's your take on it? You know, we, we talked to a ton of people about these deer calls, you know, give the people what they want. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's why why they're tuned the way they are, and then in the styles that they're they're offered in is, um, you know, yeah. the stuff that that people want. I love it. it. I love the size of it. I love you know aesthetically, it's it's a really cool looking call. Uh, the the do what, what is it? Dead on arrival. Doe bleat. Yep. yep. Sweet. Yeah, love the name too. So, uh, yeah, that thing is sweet, man. Um, I I let's see. Whoops, I'm I'm messing around on the Phelps website here. Who, when it says chat with an expert, who am I talking to when I do that? Is that you on the other end? Uh, yeah, definitely not me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know. If, so we, we share, so the new, new fancy dancy website, um, we share with, uh, first light 
yeah. um, year and meat eater and FHF. Right. Okay. But I think, uh, so first light has a, a large uh, customer service team. And I think, um, I think there's a, one of their uh, customer service representatives that's on the other end of that chat or, or a few of them, whoever maybe, maybe can take the chat if they're not on a phone call or something. I'm not sure how they run it exactly, but um, I know that's not me. <laughs> uh, and, and we've got a customer service guy along Chris and he's really great. Um, but I'm not sure that he's the one manning that all the time, maybe just sometimes. Well, let's, let's, I want to, let's round this out and kind of wrap this up with this fawn and distress because, uh, I love this freaking call. This, this fawn and distress is probably my favorite predator call. First of all, um, yeah, I've, I've killed a couple yodis with it. Um, and let, let me pull it back up on the website here. There we go. It looks like you guys have made a couple changes to it, but it's, I've used it for bear hunting. Um, I have not gotten a bear with it. Uh, yet, but it, interestingly, when I was using it for bear hunting, I had this white-tailed doe go absolutely nuts, and she—I I didn't even know she was around, but she started running around me, um, and she—I I mean, she's like pacing back and forth, but she's on a dead run around me, and she's blowing, and she's kind of bleed, doing this weird bleedy, whiny thing, and then she'll stop and blow, and then she runs off, and then she'd come back. Um, she was freaked out and panicked about this uh, fawn in distress call. And it just, oh, it, yeah. it, what it, what it does is that tells you that the accuracy of the way it sounds is making this doe panic. And that's her natural reaction. She, she wants to help the fawn. And so, um, if it'll fool a fawn, the one that knows what, or I'm sorry, the doe, the one that knows what a fawn's going to sound like best, is definitely going to fool either a predator or even a buck. Um, oh, let's yeah, talk definitely. about this fawn, fawn in distress call. Yeah. Personally, I mean, I, I feel like I've hunted deer a lot. <laughs> I feel like a damn white-tailed doe is one of the smartest animals in nature, right? Mm -hmm, I do too. They are so cagey. They're so alert. Nothing escapes them. I mean, I get, I've, I get, I've gotten by, I don't know how many big bucks over the years, them not seeing me, but a damn doe, they will pick you out. One day I was sitting in the woods with my feet up and my feet, my, the bottom of my soles and my boots were a little lighter color than the rest of me. Mm -hmm. And this doe come walking by at like 20 yards and she can see the bottom of my feet. And she picked that out immediately. And just really? like, just like just seeing that like immediately. And he just like got the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't know how many times I've had does pick me off back in the past. Just, you know, you think you like one little movement and they're gone. Oh yeah. Whereas totally. buck, bucks or, or elk, for instance, I mean, elk are, the cow elk are pretty damn cagey too, but, mm -hmm. um, but anyway, if you're going to fool anybody, if you're going to fool a white tail doe, then you're fooling, you're, you're doing something, I think. Oh, totally. Um, so yeah, it, 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 this whole, this new call, it's still got the same guts as that old call you had mm -hmm. and that we've been selling for a while, the fawn jack call. And so, um, it doesn't take a lot of, a lot of air pressure to make this thing go. You, you don't want to blow on it. Like you blow a typical predator call. You just want to just kind of just, just get the sound going. Yep. Yeah, just you want to cup your hand over the end of it and mm -hmm. then open hand as you go. Just make that, that light, light call. It doesn't have to be super hard. Now, the, the cool part about this call is it doubles as a, a jackrabbit call too. So if you're like, if you're like me, I like to carry 
this call with me everywhere, whether I'm elk hunting, deer hunting, bear hunting, whatever. I'm packing this thing with me. I don't know how many times I've called in coyotes with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you see a coyote, it's like, well, I'm going to have a little fun here and see if they'll come. And it, it, <laughs> it gets them in. So you just blow yep. it harder. That's exactly and, how I killed those yodis. <laughs> and it sounds murderous, right? It sounds horrible. Mm-hmm. But uh, the coyotes love it. But, um, but Phelps has had a lot of luck with it hunting mule deer like over in oh, eastern really? Montana. Oh yeah. So let's say there's some some there's a buck and some does on the other side of the fence that you can't hunt, but you want them to come to your side. So you start blowing on this thing, you know, the fawn in distress, and those those muley does well they'll come they'll come over too. So it's it's deer and it's not just a white-tailed doe, it's a, a muley doe, black-tailed does. Uh black-tailed does come are very defensive of this call. Mm-hmm. They'll come on it on a run. But so your, your big buck, if he's with that doe, you start snorting on this thing or blasting on this thing. Um, that doe's going to come want to, going to come want to help. And she's just going to drag that buck with her because he's not going to want to leave her. Yeah. So here he comes your side of the fence, or maybe expo- he comes out of the brush. Let's say you, you can see a deer, it's kind of hiding in the brush a little bit. Doe, the doe is completely exposed. Those bucks will do that a lot. A lot of times they'll kind of stand back and watch that doe. Mm-hmm. They don't want to expose themselves. But you start blowing on that thing. She starts coming closer. He may just come out and you get to whack him. Totally. So that's interesting. I'm going to try that for, for the mule deer hunt I've got coming up. Um, <laughs> that'll be fun. Uh, but like, like guys listening, like Dirk was saying, this the fawn and distress one, it's 30 bucks on the website. Um, but the, but the fawn and distress one is the kind of call that you just kind of always want to have on you and it's small. So I always keep it in my left pocket. Um, because I, that, I don't know about you, Dirk. That's, that's what I do when, like when I'm elk hunting, I've got one reed in my left pocket. That's easy, easily accessible. And I've got my backup reeds in that pouch, um, the, the bugler pouch or whatever. Uh, and, and when when i switch to deer hunting i'll keep that fawn in distress in my my left pocket and i just i just carry it it's easily accessible i just snatch it uh and it's it's called in it's it's worked both on coyotes both here in idaho and in utah um and it's awesome on the doe uh, on the does and I, I think you're right if you're doing that during the rut you're going to pull a buck with that doe who's who's not going to be able to resist coming and finding out what's going on with the fawn right so right. it's it's just a great call. I can't say enough good things about it. And it's the one I've got a lot of experience outside of your elk calls. Uh, I've, I've probably got the most experience with this fawn in distress. So it, it's a great call. Yeah, I love it. I I have I have one attached to my bino harness at all times. And yeah, and uh, I I blow it a few times a year, and, and uh, I'm always glad I have it. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so. But in, and then you kind of talked about like, you know, these are tuned for whitetails or whatever, you know, you can, you can definitely use these grunt calls for, for black tails and muleys. I'm not so sure how receptive muleys, mule deer are to calling, you know, I, my buddy, um, Tom Schneider up in Northern Idaho there, then they like to use grunt calls for muleys. And he said, he's going to yeah. take these things for a run this fall. But, um, I know, I do know, I've heard, I've heard a lot of mule deer grunt in the past. One, here's an anecdotal story. One day I was deer hunting and I heard this series of grunts and I thought, good God, there's some guy over there blowing in a grunt call that doesn't 
even <laughs> know how to blow a grunt call. Like this is ridiculous. And he, and the sound was so ridiculous. It, it was, it was blown. It almost sounded like overblown. It's, I'm going to go ahead and emulate the sound. Okay. Huh. I mean, it was just like, and you you thought it was you thought it was Doug Flutie of the Whitetail Woods? I did. I thought it was uh Grandpa Flutie over there blowing on his ear call like blow like blew it like blew it over and over and over again. And I'm Grandpa like Flutie. And I'm like, oh my God. And no sooner did I think that than I heard crash, 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 like rattling antlers. I'm like, oh God, now he's rattling. So I walk over this little rise. I'm like, I gotta see this idiot. So I walk over there. And this is no shit. There were two mule deer bucks just fighting, going. Oh, really? At it. Yo, oh, yeah. Shit. That's and I'm awesome. like, I'm like, oh my God. So I lay down. I'm trying to get a rest to shoot one of these guys. And then they break apart and run off. Never oh, to be seen again. Dang. Do you think well, they I, winded you or did they just break off? I think they just broke off. I think they, yeah, they were done fighting. So I'm like, man, well, I have a grunt call, so I'm going to do it. So I'm like, <laughs> And I don't, I don't even think I'm doing it justice. I mean, it was, it was a wild sound. Uh-huh. And so I do that. I do the same sound. I, and I wait a little bit. I do it again. And pretty soon I hear something thumping. I hear something thump behind me. So I look up and here comes this white tailed buck and it's a spike. Oh. <laughs> and he thought he was King Dingling. He was all puffed up. I don't know if you watch this during the whitetail rut. These things will posture up mm-hmm. and they'll oh, like, yeah. they'll, they'll flare out their, their hair and especially, you know, on their, on their back and on their neck, mm-hmm. they'll make yourself look a lot bigger body than they really are. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. If you haven't, I mean, I don't know if everybody's noticed this, but um, anyway, he just comes walking up stiff legged and uh, all, all puffed up. I'm like, Oh my God. And he walks and I'm standing like out in the open. He walks over to this little sapling and he just goes to town, destroying the sapling, just like <laughs> going crazy. And it's a spike. huh? It's a spike. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. So then I do it again when he's standing there and he stops and he looks at me and then he just doubles his efforts on that. Oh <laughs> on that man, poor that's sapling. awesome. I was like, what did I just see? I'm like, oh my God. So then finally he kind of like looks around and kind of stomps off, you know, like, you know, like I showed them Yeah. and I'm like, man, I just know I'm going to call him granddaddy. And so I kept doing it and the rest of the day, you know, I'd move a little bit and then treat set up and do it again. And I didn't see another deer that day, but <laughs> that was, that was a funny story. That's super cool. That's it, it probably, uh, it, that would have been like viral, man. If you got that on video. A, a spike oh. raking and coming in all puffed up like a, you know, you, back in the day going to the bar and at about 11 o'clock, all the dudes would start holding their arms out a little more and throwing oh, their yeah. head back a little more. They're getting tougher as a, you know, as the night goes on kind of thing. That's what, that's what the whitetail do, the bucks. And, and it's pretty, it's pretty interesting and, and it's sometimes comical to watch. I, I love it, man. That's the one oh, advantage yeah. to either being. Uh, in a tree stand, um, or on like in like a ground blind, I've tried the ground blind thing a bunch and I'm, I just don't have a lot of patience. So, but if you've got a lot of action going on, that's where you'll see that a lot. And it's pretty damn cool. Yeah. One so. another time when I was a kid, 
I, I rattled in a buck and I had the same kind of a same kind of a posturing come in. This this little spike buck walks in, all postured up and all flared up, and and uh, I was just like, man, that's a huge body. This is before I knew better. I was like, that's a huge bodied spike, man. Mm-hmm. I'm shooting him. Bam. I shoot this thing. And it was like, I deflated him. <laughs> I walk over. I'm like, what happened? This thing was huge. <laughs> he walks in all stiff legged and eyes rolling and, and uh, oh, that's, all puffed up. That's funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but he was delicious. Let me tell you what. <laughs> and there it is. Uh, and I stand by this. I, I said this a few years ago and actually caught some flack, but I, there is nothing that tastes better wild game wise to me than a than a, like a a one and a half year old buck whitetail <laughs> whitetail oh. buck. Um, oh, they're or, so good. Yeah, they're, it's just it's like the best meat on the planet. Um, it's so clean, and it's never like rutted up. You know, you get a, a late November mature whitetail. They're, they've they, they could they could kind of be a little skanky sometimes. Just they when they're all rutted up. You know, normally yep. I don't think they are, but but they can be. And so, oh yeah, yeah. Um, well, for the most part, you know, a lot of them I've shot have been, you know, even if they're big and rutted up, then um, they weren't bad. But I did, I did kill one one time that was nasty, nastiest thing ever. I don't know mm-hmm. why, but man, it was he was bad. Yeah, and you can you could tell when you walk up to it and you start, uh, you know, getting the guts out or whatever. You could smell that, and it like translates to the taste. And, oh, yeah. and so again, it, that doesn't happen. I, I don't think that happens a lot, but it, it's, I don't know what does it. Uh, I'm no biologist, but, um, you know, it does. Sometimes you just get a real stinky one and it tastes stinky. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> yeah. well, cool, uh, man. Um, this has been fun, man. I, I like, I like going through, uh, having the website pulled up and talking about these different products. So, um, yeah. Good times, yeah. and you guys, uh, really good job coming out with these. I've been waiting for you guys to drop some some deer calls for a long time. Outside, obviously, you've had the fawn in distress for a while, uh, but these bleats are, or I'm sorry, the doe bleed and the grunt calls are going to be game changers. I think so. Uh, you guys listening, the Beta Pro grunt call, uh, the Alpha Pro grunt call, the Omega Hybrid grunt call, the DOA Dead on Arrival doe bleat, and then the fawn in distress. And I think that. Um, any serious whitetail hunter should have that arsenal lined up and ready to go for, for this fall. Cause it's going to be here before we know it, man. November's coming. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, good deal. And, and, and people call elk or not elk. People call deer, you know, in October and mm-hmm. just depend, it's a little different kind of call, you know, calling situation. Well, if you check out our blog, our blog on the website, then um, we try to put articles on there from time to time. There's a blog article now, like what kind of calls to use at the different part, parts of the, of the pre-rut, post-rut, full mm-hmm. rut, whatever uh, by Tony Peterson. So that's a cool, cool little read. If, Ooh, I'll check that if out. anybody wants to, if anybody wants to read that. Yeah, I'll check that one out because I, in like the October stuff, I always call that the curiosity calling. Where you know you're not going to call in a buck by rattling in October, but if you're if you're out there and you throw a couple grunts or or a doe bleed or something, you're going to get any deer that hears that super curious, uh, kind of like calling in elk. Where you know you're not calling in an elk to fight, but there's there's that curiosity factor. They just want to check you out. Right. Um, it's the kind of same kind of the same thing in October. So and it works pretty good. But I haven't I haven't tried it on mule deer. So. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try it this year, man. I'm going to try some, some grunt calls and a couple other things on the muleys, uh, when I'm up there. So, yeah. All right, cool. brother. 
Well, I appreciate you doing this, and uh, this is going to be a bonus episode I'll put out this week, man. Cool. Thanks. Appreciate being having me on. Yeah, we're uh, we're gonna have to do it again. I got an idea for a future episode we're we're gonna need to talk about in like a month. Um, okay. So we'll we'll figure that out. But uh, you, you might as well become one of the paid staffers here on the Western Huntsman. Um, yeah. I don't know yeah, how that might works. as well be. I don't know how that works because I don't even get paid. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> I I have a big stockpile of peanuts, brother. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Per- are they shelled or unshelled? Shelled. Oh, perfect, perfect. I like them. It's uh, it's, uh, very important to keep them shelled for freshness, in my humble opinion. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, good luck on the rest of your hunts, man, and let's just keep in touch, and we'll talk soon. Okay, sounds great. You made it. That's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure you're following us on Instagram at the Western Huntsman and write us a good review at Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on.